Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. That's correct. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Friday, January 24th, 2020. Headlines just for future uh, historians. Dems dig in on abuse of power. Yep, there's an impeachment. Oh, that's, uh, that's a new little thing you're doing there for these bonuses. I like that. that. Come on, man. I'm always new ideas, man. That's yeah. just how I wake up. What new idea do I have today? I know what I'll do. On the bonus segment, I'll read the front page headline. Well, finally, a good one. That's correct. <laughs> oh, that doctor. As I always do on a bonus segment, I ask one of my uh, my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. I'm going to start with distinguished guest number one right there. Introduce yourself. My name is Frank Perez. I'm Director of Violence Intervention Prevention Services at UCAN. All right, and distinguished guest number two. Vaughn Bryan, Executive Director of Communities Partner for Peace and Metropolitan Peace Initiatives. All right, excellent. There are people out there going, wait a minute, I heard these guys before. Yes, indeed. The same dynamic duos on this show. Well, how many months ago was it? Like six months ago? Well, six months ago, suddenly it's like a bolt from above. You missed I us. Knew, I knew it was, yeah. <laughs> I got to get these two guys back. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we talk about crime. We talk about uh, what people can do in the city of Chicago uh, to reduce, like, sort of the impulse that uh, folks may have to commit crimes. Uh, and uh, so we have some news you want to break. Uh, Vaughn, I'll allow you to break the news. Uh, a little help us come our way. Talk about that. So uh, the Inspire Change campaign that the uh, NFL players uh, put together, which was really born out of the Colin Kaepernick uh, situation where the owners um, invested, you know, a certain amount of money uh, to uh, support players in their initiatives. And so uh, the Players Coalition is really focused on uh, criminal justice reform, uh, reentry, uh, economic development, uh, police community relations. And so those are areas, obviously, that communities partner for peace play. And uh, so they su- are now going to support uh, our efforts to uh, continue to support the 15 partners we have and they're working in the 22 communities that uh, we work in. Uh, specifically, one of the things we want to do is we want to use our Metropolitan Peace Academy to train community members in the police districts that we're in to uh, host a training and sort of orientation for new and transferring police officers into their community. So it's a community-led thing. They can introduce their community uh, to the police uh, from their perspective, um, which we think you know, will help the police really understand it, the, the community, get to know people, get to know the key players in that community. Um, we know that uh, Chief Beck 
has a charge to improve police community relations and community policing is an important thing. And we want to be a part of that solution, um, given the coalition we built during, during the violence uh, intervention work across the city of Chicago. And we've had a lot of good success with uh, our outreach workers going through the Peace Academy. And we just want to extend uh, that resource to play in the com- police community relations space. Yeah, and I, I I think it's fantastic that these multi-billion dollar franchises, whether it's football, baseball, hockey, you, you name it, are contributing beyond your traditional charities to, to work with uh, populations or communities in the country that enjoy those various sports, but at the same time are devastated by this misery, misery we call violence in various parts of our country. Mm -hmm. And we know that a lot of times our uh, players come from these communities. And so, you know, it's really important for the league to support its players because ultimately that builds goodwill amongst your players and really supports the talent pool that ultimately is coming to you. So it's a a win-win situation. I think the NBA has done a really good job getting out in front of that. Um, And I think the NFL uh, you know, it's following, but I think I, I, I commend the players and their efforts to do this. Um, and I commend the NFL for moving this in direction. Uh, before we uh, take a, a deeper dive into how this translates into Chicago and what your particular mission is uh, and the situation we have in the city, it just, you said something that I, I cannot just let pass. Uh, you, you alluded to Colin Kaepernick, one of my favorite themes and subjects. I've been talking about this forever, <laughs> uh, Vaughn. When you said, that in many ways this uh, grant emerged from the Colin Kaepernick situation. What did you mean by that? Uh, I just mean that when he uh, knelt uh, for, um, you know, police brutality and uh, systemic oppression, um, you know, he was just trying to bring attention to an issue that, you know, Americans need to face. This is our country. We're all citizens. And we this is a problem that we all need to face in the same way that in Chicago, we know that gun violence is the number one issue we face. Everybody in the city of Chicago should care about this because everyone stands to benefit either directly or indirectly. And if we know that if we improve uh, the safety in our city, that everyone's quality of life is going to improve. If Inglewood is a better place to live, Lincoln Park is ultimately going to be a better place to live just by, you know, lifting up, you know, uh, some of our more challenged communities. Along those lines, you know, and not, not too many people know it, but the fact of the matter is that young black men and, and brown men, I mean, respectively, you know, the people aren't living to, to die of cancer and heart disease. The number one cause of death for, for a black man in this country or in places like Chicago is by violence by the hands of somebody somebody who looks just like them. The number two cause of death for Latinos is, is by violence. So, I mean, we don't have to worry about heart disease and cancer and all these other diseases. We got this disease called violence that we need help with, and, and rightly so, it needs to come from our institutions that we contribute heavily to. And, and it's great that the sports arena, so to speak, is contributing back to the community, where, as Vaughn has indicated, they get many other players mm-hmm. from uh, who, you know, who in many cases you've seen, they have significant others who have been mm-hmm. victims of violence and so forth. So they, they want to do something about it. And the fact that Colin 
uh, knelt for basically what I call social justice and, and bringing it to, to light is a, is a powerful thing. And I hope that it keeps to continue and grow. Um, I'm with you 100% in that. Come on, Bears. You could use a good quarterback. That's for sure. All right. I'm not going to. I'll stick away from the sports uh, <laughs> uh, discussion for the moment. Uh, Frank, you said something that I'd love to uh, hear you expound on a little more. Uh, you said uh, the, the disease called violence. That's the, the phraseology that you used. Uh, what do you mean by a disease called violence? Violence acts the same way as any other physical contagion. Okay, it's 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 learned behavior. It's 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 certain communities that are dev- being devastated more than others. It's certain populations that are being devastated more than others. Just like it, you know, if you go to another part of the world and you go to a particular village that's being devastated by some outbreak, it's it's that particular village and that particular population, not the entire country, not the entire city, but that particular. Uh, area that's being devastated more so than the rest of the population. Same thing with the city of Chicago. You mentioned Lincoln Park and so forth. Yeah, we have some things going on in those communities, but not to the extent that the Inglewoods, the North Lawndales and so forth uh, are having. Recently, we just saw life expectancy, right? If you live in Streeterville, you get to live till maybe 90, the life expectancy, as opposed to if you live in Inglewood, your life expectancy is 60. You're talking about a 60, you know, a 30 year difference. You're right, 30% that that you will not live, you know, a fulfilled life because you come from a particular community and so forth. And that's that's affected by a bunch of things. You know, the, the disenfranchisement of that community by not having jobs, by having food deserts, by not having a quality of uh, you know, uh, foods in our diets, by being exposed to drug trafficking, gangs, uh, high crimes, substance abuse, and so forth that you don't find in all communities to the extent that you do in, in various minority or, or black and brown communities. And, and even when you do, because um, I do think that drug use uh, cuts across all races and socioeconomic classes, but when you have an education, when you're uh, psychologically, you know, sort of healthy and financially healthy and you have love in your life, then you can do those things recreationally. Whereas, you know, when you're in an oppressed community, then you're doing it to, to escape and deal with the, the situation that you find yourself in. So, you know, I think, again, going back to Colin Kaepernick, it was systemic oppression that he that was part of the mix there. And so when you couple poverty with, you know, sort of deliberate attempts to, you know, segregate the city, you know, when union jobs are divvied out, you know, discriminatorily, those sort of things, then of course you're gonna, and then you add guns to the mix, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's pretty much what we have. I mean, anybody can look at the history of Chicago and know why we are where we are. I mean, that part is not really, you know, it's not, it's not a secret. I, I was just, uh, taking a ride the other day coming down uh, Roosevelt Road and uh, turning off on Kedzie and 16th Street. And through that 16th Street corridor, 
all the way to maybe Central Park, a little bit past that. There was nothing but lots on the, on both sides of the street. Reminded me of these old films that you see after World War II of Germany mm-hmm. and Great Britain where swaths of blocks are, are just torn down because of war. That's what that community looks like. And that's what that community has looked like for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. There's been no change as opposed to other parts of the city because we have some of these issues in Humboldt Park and so forth where all of a sudden there's all kind of housing going up, but it took gentrification for that to take place. That has not occurred. I'm not I'm not embracing gentrification. What I am putting forth is that we need to do something in these communities as well and not just have these lots going for blocks at a time and, and not doing nothing about it. As much money has been poured into downtown Chicago, hopefully the new mayor and, and, and her uh, her administration is now thinking about the inner communities and so forth and moving forward and possibly bringing some some revenue and some um, opportunity to those communities that have been devastated for decades, for decades. We're talking about the 19, we're talking about 50 years ago, right? The 60 years ago, and still some of those communities still look the same way. Uh, you got Sip giving me so much uh, I want to talk about. I've written all these things down. Uh, you mentioned uh, drugs. So let's just deal with, since the last time we were on the show, uh, the state of Illinois has legalized reefer. Uh, and um, so it could be purchased legally now. Uh, I could go on and on with my opinions about the impact of the war on drugs. I, I personally, gentlemen, I don't know where your position is. Uh, I was for legalization like 30 years ago. I can't believe it's taken this long. Uh, what impact do you think, I'm going to put start with you, Frank, on this one. What impact do you think that legalizing uh, marijuana or cannabis or reefer, my generation calls a reefer, whatever it is, uh, will have on some of the problems that you're discussing? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, it, that's a difficult question to respond to. I, I do know for a fact that, you know, um, the legalization of it, the opportunities uh, from what I've seen firsthand, I mean, very few, very few of the underground community that used to be involved in that is taking advantage of these licenses and these institutions uh, who are getting all these licenses and so forth, where they've had to basically try to uh, redo some of the some of the some of the laws or some of the rights to give us an opportunity or give minorities an opportunity because I, I don't think there's too many shorty bang bangs or Pablito the Pistoleros that could afford a 400,000 license, you know, buy up license, not including probably about another million to get the business started. All right. So <laughs> I'm not sure what impact that's going to have. Uh, marijuana, as you as you've indicated, that's that's the drug. But. You know, if you want to talk, because I hear both sides, that's a gateway drug. Well, you know, when I was growing up, the gateway drug was cigarettes and and alcohol, you know. So I'm not sure, you know, what the right or the left might think about that. But the fact of the matter is, whether it's marijuana or opioids or whatever, uh, different communities are are treated differently, you know. if, if and forgive me again, I don't want to insult anybody, but if I'm on Lincoln, you know, in, in Lincoln Park smoking a joint, walking down the street, people will probably tell me you, you don't need to be doing that, as opposed to if I'm doing that over there in Englewood, I'm probably going to get a $50 ticket right away, if not 
prior to the legalization being arrested for, for this stuff. Um, and, and the same thing with the opioid. I mean, we've been suffering for decades with heroin use and crack cocaine and that, you know, the, um, the, the level of the justice system treating one population one way as opposed to the other population was outrageous. Mm-hmm. And now it's a big deal because who, who's suffering from this opioid epidemic. So now we need to decriminalize that as well as opposed to, wait a minute, for the last 40 years, you've been locking up brothers uh, left and right behind that, but now all of a sudden, since it's in your community, in your backyard, uh, we need treatment, we need help, we need services. You weren't talking that stuff 30, 40 years ago, filling up the prisons in the state of Illinois. So I think that actually, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about earlier was, you know, what role does the, you know, state's attorney play? Well, it's this is her space, like, you know, the decriminalization of marijuana, that's the biggest thing. Like, so no matter what happens, as long as people aren't going to jail, I mean, that's like the biggest win uh, for me. And, you know, the criminal justice system, you know, plays a role in in how that part lays out. So I think some of the things that Frank were talking about is who's actually going to capitalize on it monetarily. And we know people with you know, funds always going to have the first mover advantage to be able to do that. And so, you know, we'll see what happens over time. Um, We need people to have an entrepreneurial spirit to figure out how they're going to play in this industry. And even though, you know, we're probably not off to the best start in terms of minority owned dispensaries and, and the like, you know, we just have to have faith that over time, you know, people will find their niche uh, in that market and be able to make some money. And, on and, it. and don't get me wrong. I, the decriminalization is a great thing. I, I you know, having, uh, you know, 12,000 men in that county jail, which 70 percent are there for nonviolent crimes is a great waste of resources. So the decriminalization thing is a fantastic thing. I, I think it's long overdue because, you know, there are people in our society that may sometimes need to be removed from our society but because you may have a mental illness or you're you're using some type of substance i think we need to deal with that prior to locking somebody up for those offenses i have a teammate um and we'll probably hope he does a radio show as well a teammate from college his name is chris berg um hopefully he hears this one day but he and i've been kind of talking about getting together to talk about the work and one thing that he is always impresses upon me is you know research shows that if you know a a man is in the home then you know the outcomes for kids are better and i try to get him to succeed it but when you know we're unfairly in jail for stuff that you do as well then it's like is it we is it negligence on our part or are we being unfairly treated so you got to look at what's underneath you know, the reason that a, a man is not in the house or when we go back to the welfare state and you don't you require the man not to be there. All of those things are systemic factors that you you seem to ignore and think, oh, it's simple. Just man be in the home. I'm like, you know, come on. Like we just have to we have to really educate ourselves. And I think um, one thing that I know I have to work on personally is being patient around people who have strong opinions, but not really acknowledge the history and really know why things are the way they are. Well, I could tell you this, and uh, we're on a tangent here, but let's go. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to finish this thought because Frank Perez said something. that, And when you said it, I had a smile. I don't know if you noticed I smiled, but you were talking about Lincoln Park. So we have a lot of listeners outside of Chicago. Lincoln Park uh, is an upscale neighborhood on the north side of Chicago, uh, very well-to-do area, one of the most well-to-do areas in the city of Chicago. And Frank Perez, uh, I went on a crusade to legalize marijuana back uh, about 10 years ago. And one of the things that motivated me to do it, follow me on this one, I was riding my bike, uh, 
down Lincoln Avenue, which is goes right through the heart of Lincoln Park, everybody. I came to the corner of Lincoln Webster. I've told this story a million times, but I cannot, I just love telling this story. <laughs> it was a beautiful summer night, and I was like May, I want to say. I was going down to the Park West to see George Lopez, who's a comedian. Mm-hmm. And I'm rear in a corner, and the corner is packed with like 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, hippie types, and man, I, the second, you know, what do they call that? The the second, what do you call that? The secondhand smoke. Secondhand smoke. <laughs> well, I was high. There were so many kids openly smoking reefer on the corner of Webster and Lincoln. Uh-huh. Okay? And I'm like, where are they going? And so I, they were going to something, uh, I think it was the Peace Fest that used to take place in, in uh, Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. And that was like Woodstock 2, Frank Lopez. Oh, so many hippie kids god bless every single one of them i'm all hippie smoking reefer in the open then i go see george lopez he's telling one reefer joke after another everybody's laughing and then i'm reading about the arrest of black kids so george lopez who's a succeedingly successful i'm not not hating on him i went to see him and because i like him is making reefer jokes the white kids are openly smoking reefer on the corner Black kids on the West Side are getting locked up in jail. I'm sorry, Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That to me is the biggest hypocrisy I've ever seen in my life. And it's, we had a. I just at that point I said this war on drugs is such a freaking hoax. It's a con. It's it's a justification to arrest black people. That is how I view it. That's how I view it to this day. What do you think? It's controversial, right? I said last time, justice, just us. And basically what you know that alludes to is that you treat different people differently. And some people are worthy of mercy and others are not. So you're going to lay down the law on their, on their heads. I applaud the governor. I applaud the, uh, the, the mayor. I applaud the state attorney because they're making changes in the decriminalization of this this thing we call drug drug war because for too long as Vaughn has indicated we've been locking people away and the thing is that if you pay for your crime or even when you've been locked up and, and you get out you've done your time why do you have to carry that rest of that stigma for the rest of your life well it's racism I'm putting that X on your back to keep you marked for the rest of your life so that you're in this never-ending, never revolving door of, in order to survive, I got to keep cr- doing criminal activities as opposed to you go to some other countries in this world, right? Israel, Thailand, our neighbors up north, and when you do your time, you're forgiven for that, and you, you come back into our society, and the whole premise behind that justice system is to rehabilitate you so that you don't come back. I have some questions about our criminal justice system, if that's the uh, the thinking behind that, because we definitely don't do the four tenets. We don't do rehabilitation. We don't do deterrence, because nobody's fearful of going to jail. We, uh, we don't do incapacitation, because basically you can get any drug in any of these state penitentiaries you want, right? And then finally, the one we might get close to is retribution. We're getting back at you for what you did. Or we're, we're really laying the law, uh, the law on you for what you did that may have not been as serious if you were a different color or creed. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute. You just said something I have to say. 
deterrence. Nobody's afraid of going. I'm afraid of going to jail. <laughs> Shorty Bang Bang or Pablito Pistolero in the hood are not afraid of going to jail. <laughs> when when you were young, Frank Perez, growing up in Humble Park, were you afraid of going to jail? Not particularly, because I grew up in a household where that you know that happened, that occurred, and whatnot. So I wasn't really afraid of going to jail. Didn't want to becomes... go to jail because the the fear. The worst thing about jail is being removed from your society, rather than what the, the the media have you believe of all this torture and all that. The worst thing about jail is being removed from your loved ones, not being able to hold your loved one, not seeing your your children growing up. Your children are calling somebody else daddy. Your, your wife, you know, you thirty months in, in jail, let alone thirty years. You expect that to her to be in prison with you and to wait for you? No. The the harm you're causing to your to your mom. We, we, to your significant other is is you know ir- irreversible it's, you know so it's sad that it that's, becomes uh sort of a norm like yeah. normalized in some communities and some households that you're not afraid of it and it's that's it's that's a feather sad. in your cap mm-hmm. that, and that's sad mm-hmm. it's a feather in your cap in the hood if you get locked up and you oh you know he 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 manning up and so forth. So, so to speak of the no no snitch now thing that you see out here. It's a feather in your in your cap if you if you not telling. But that runs across everybody because we got the you know the issues of other departments right. Whether it's the the police department or other institution, white collar crime, you don't tell on anybody right now. You got an impeachment going on right now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and what's happening there, right? Nobody wants anybody to tell anything. You know. By the so, way, that, I mean that that's. We're, this is a total tangent, <laughs> but uh, not really. But not, really not really, because <laughs> just it, 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 Vaughn. Just think about what, I, it, what what Frank is saying. So when uh, what did you call him? Shorty Bang Bangs uh, is caught with with uh, marijuana on him. They mount a case. They have uh, evidence. They bring in witnesses. It's like considered the greatest crime ever. When old boy Donald John Trump. <laughs> Uh, you know, violates. Boys would be boys. Not only boys would be boys. No evidence. Mm. No, we're not allowing any evidence. Can't have any evidence. Witnesses. So that would be like if Shorty Bang Bang, just imagine this, the district attorney would say, oh, I know you found, uh, you know, uh, a plastic bag filled with marijuana in Shorty Bang Bang's jacket, but you're not allowed to introduce that. Oh, okay. Oh, and secondhand, I know that there was a police officer who saw him smoking a joint, but we're not having any witnesses in the joint. Good luck prosecuting Shorty Bang Bang. Right. But those are the rules that Donald John Trump's Absolutely. facing. Absolutely. And it just, you know, when I watch watch the impeachment stuff and I'm sort of a junkie for that stuff. I ha- I watch CNN every day on Sundays. I watch five different Sunday shows. It's it, it's really honestly sad because as much as especially conservatives and I consider myself a little bit more moderate, but when you talk about how great our system is and then you go contribute to why people don't trust the system in the first place. It's like, man, where's the integrity? Where's the honor? A lot of these Christian conservatives believe in morals and values and that sort of thing. And then you go do this, like you ignore the truth this way and you treat people differently. Like, man, it's just, I mean, I used to say when I was an athlete that nothing would hurt me more than my my football experience partly because everything you do is on film so if you could be in a in a on a team everybody's watching the film and you see who the good players are and who they're not and so you can't really hide from the truth so if a player is playing and there's somebody behind them that's better that's like blatant and i yeah. think this impeachment trial is is blatant yeah. like right in front of us donald trump can do whatever he wants to do and he actually operates like a gangster like stop me 
stop me. Just I'm just going to go do what I want to do, and I'm going to have all my people keep their mouth shut, support me, and we going to ride. But, but isn't that the same thing we're talking about? We treat them differently if they do it, but I don't expect you to treat me you know, yeah. the same way. Isn't that what's happening right now? Absolutely. You know, I, I bet you if the, if the next president happens to be a Democrat and he does some th stuff like this, it'll be the reverse yeah, or if of it's what she. you mm -hmm. see. Or mm -hmm. if it's yeah, she, right? Yeah. So it goes back it, to it just goes us. Back, it just us, just right? Us. So, yeah, you know. That's a good thing. Uh, by the way, Vaughn, you said I'm a moderate. I think you're a little more lefty than moderate. But whatever, we'll let that one pass. Uh, all right, uh, Frank, I'm going to want to ask you about this. And I don't know if I asked you this last time, so excuse me if I did, but I want to hear your answer anyway. Uh, I, I come from a very sheltered middle-class background, okay? Uh, I don't like fighting. Uh, I couldn't last a day in prison, just mm -hmm. to go back to that point. Uh, and I basically will walk away from any fight. You know, I just don't want it, okay? Uh, I moved to Chicago, and I met a whole new crew of characters. I'm from mm -hmm. the suburbs, from mm -hmm. Evanston. Mm -hmm. And there's really tough guys. Mm -hmm. They like fighting. And it's like, so you say a crossword, they're looking to fight. And I could never... I don't understand that mentality. Uh, I always want to walk away. It's all right. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? Walk away from it. It's a whole different mentality. Well, is it that they like fighting or that's the survival mechanism? If I let you bully me or punk me and just walk away, do I open myself for, for everybody else to bully me? and punk me as opposed to if I respond to you, you know, because that's the mentality of violence. You do something to me, I need to do tenfold to you, right? Uh, you're gonna then respect me and so forth. Not realizing the damage I've caused not only to you and your family, but to me and, and, and my significant others. And that's what, what we're dealing with right now in the streets that, you know, if, if this mentality of if you get one of ours, we're gonna get 10 of yours and so forth. And so this tit for tat keeps going back and forth. And the, that's why we have the numbers of violence that we have in our community. There's no, right now we're trying to change the mentality of, you know, uh, there's no honor in being humble. That's not respected as opposed to, it takes a strong individual like yourself to be able to say, you know what, you knocked that off my shoulder, I'm gonna leave that alone because on the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I've got this show, I got this family, I got these grand, all these other things to lose, and so I'm gonna back up off of this. 30, 40 years ago, I wouldn't have thought that way. Today, of course, I, I think that way, right? Because, and these, and, and you know, I, we always say murder's a young man's game. Uh, and that's what's happening out there in, in the streets. They're getting younger and younger. The, the armament is getting deadlier and deadlier, but that's the mentality that they're, they're surviving with. It's a survival mechanism. So the other thing is uh, what we're talking about is hyper-masculinity. And I think when you're young, especially in an urban environments, in, in pretty much any environment, as a man, you're thinking about how can I get my status? How can I establish myself? Some guys can get that, like I got it because I was good in sports. Some guys get it because they can fight. You know, and sometimes we're looking for how do we impress the girls and girls tend to like guys who have influence. The guys who have influence are usually guys who, you know, can lead men, can dominate men. All of that stuff is just part of 
our culture growing up. So even in Evanston, you grew up with some of that on some level and maybe, you know, being smart might've been your thing, whatever, whatever it is, because <laughs> God bless you, know, you for calling me smart, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever it is, yeah. you just have to ride with what you can ride with. Because for me, I was protected because I was a good athlete. So I might've hung out in that crowd, but they saw something in me that's like, Hey, like this part's not for you and we're going to protect Did you, grow you up in Chicago. I grew up in Detroit. Okay. So similar, but I just want to continue to thought in terms of the hypermasculinity part, like st- you don't get status for being the smart guy. You, girls don't tend to that like the correct. guys that are <laughs> smart when you're in the, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade. That's not who's getting the girls. Yeah. They, they, they want the jocks. They, they want the guys who can protect them. Maybe it's something on the genics, right? They want the guys where they can see can protect them. They don't want the Bill Gates of the world until they realize, oh shit. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought, I thought this was wrong. So, so Ben didn't get girls when he was younger. <laughs> I was the guy that Frank Perez would have said, hey, man, I need a quarter because I got to take the bus home. I happen to know that you live right across the street from the school. You haven't taken a bus in 10 years. I need a quarter for a bus. Well, at least you're giving me the dignity of coming up with a reason instead of just give me a quarter. That that was not Frank Perez. (laughs) Because bullies are not to look. Yeah, there's a fine line there. But bullies are not looked upon too kindly either because, you know, bullies are not you know, uh, so to speak, m- m- men in our society. They're, 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 you, you choose weaker individuals than yourself, but you you got somebody that you go heads up with you, they, they tend to back off. Mm. <laughs> so what are the, some of the, the lessons uh, that you try to impart at the Peace Academy that you're trying to get uh, people, you know, to take away? Well, we're trying to basically impart or implement some professional standards. Um, so, you know, part of that is, you know, be trauma informed. So understand people's trauma, understand that everybody has a different background and we don't always know, you know, what they're bringing. So just be mindful of that. Uh, we want to be restorative. Like we believe everybody can be saved. Every, everybody can have reconciliation. Extremely important. Um, we believe in the principles of nonviolence. Uh, Kingsian nonviolence is extremely important in the work that we do. Um, self-care is important. Like one of the things that we recognize in the Peace Academy is a lot of guys deal with vicarious trauma, meaning they're having to work with a participant that's going through something that they also went through and it's starting to bring up their stuff that they may not have reconciled, which is important because in order to do the work in the best way, you really have to deal with your own stuff. And so those are the type of things that uh, we talk about in the in the Peace Academy. And it's been, I mean, honestly, it's probably the best part of our coalition coming together is the 94 graduates we have, they actually represent 23 different organizations in the city, 22 different neighborhoods, and it's growing. Um, we have about 31 to 33 people in this current class, which we won't do again. 25 is our, our cutoff. But, you know, it's a popular thing. And, and I think we're getting guys that are coming that are more excited now because the reputation of it is good. And I think in the work that we're doing uh, around community outreach, we are at the best place that we've been because now people see that the governor is committed, that the mayor is committed to it. Um, you know, we have alignment in a way that we haven't had it before. And I think our organizations know, OK, we can breathe a little bit because there's some sustainability that we see in the near term where they don't have to lay off people for two weeks or a month because we're dealing with some sort of, you know, government thing or some, you know, red tape. You know, we're, we're dealing with those things in a, in a smart way. And, um, you know, there's a movement uh, now that we're creating to make this city uh, the safest city in the United States. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of room for optimism right now. 
I think that the professionalism of the field, this outreach work, which I alluded off air earlier of, uh, you know, outreach workers being taken for granted is just another fly-by-night piece. The professionalism of the field where we're dealing with trauma-informed care, where we're dealing with case management, where we're dealing with the issues that these many of these men and women are going through themselves. And, and finally, we just had a graduation the week before mm-hmm. last, a cohort fourth, uh, where these guys... They graduated and we had a dinner and everything and they're, they've never been to a graduation in their lives. They got their grandmothers with them, their children. They're walking up a, one of the most proudest things or d- or days in their lives that they've never experienced goes such a long way in, in helping not only professionalize the field but professionalizing these individuals that let them know, hey, you can contribute. I mean, you help create this monster we call violence, but it's going to be people like yourselves that's going to help us tackle this situation and, and make it better for our children, our children's children, and, and, and everybody else in the neighborhood. Vaughn, you said something. I wrote it down, and uh, I got to come back and, and uh, make sure I heard you correctly. Make this city the safest in the world. Now, I've lived in Chicago since 1981. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's and 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 there's so much. I try to like try to. I think about the violence in this town that I'm. Uh, I every day I open a newspaper. It's just her, one horrific, violent story after another. I was just talking before the show with Frank about this, 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 the, the two. Uh, beautiful women that were murdered in, this, uh, in Chicago in 2017, the case is filed. Every day it seems like it's something, it's, you know, they talk about progress, we keep talking about progress. Oh, we oh, Ben, we got it under 500. That's, people tell me, Ben, we got it under 500, we're making progress. I mean, it's just like violence in Chicago, uh, snit, the, the, just the attitude that uh, Frank was talking about, it's so pervasive, like you don't snitch. Like aldermen are mad at Danny Solis because he wore the wire. It's not that Ed Burke committed the crime, it's that Danny Solis wore the wire. That's, the men- that's Chicago, the mentality of this city. Yeah. Do you think it really is possible to make this city the safest? Well, uh, safest in the United States. Okay. So let me let me go. You know, preface that because you know we can really only compare ourselves to the context that we're in. But yes, I do. I think in order to do this work, I just watched Just Mercy on the Monday. You have to be an eternal optimist. Like that, I can't do this work without faith. I have to have faith that I'm getting up every day doing work to contribute to our city getting better and and i think that there is more good people who want this city to be safe than there are otherwise and we just have to use our will every day and 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 keep doing what we're doing so and and i hate to bust your bubble ben but i grew up in an era where we, we were at double what we're at today so things yes they are tragic right now and they can be much better but you know back in the day and 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 i would tell you that you know, some people with the people's mentality, it's getting worse and worse. I would, an old mentor of mine, Irv Spurgle at the University of Chicago, may he rest in peace at the School of Social Service Agency, would tell you that back in the day, even though the numbers were lower, the armaments weren't as deadly. You know, we had the zip gun, right? One shot, a wooden gun. We had uh, the Saturday night specials, five shots, six shot, 32. But today, what do we have? We've got, you know, AR-15s that'll shoot 32 rounds and so forth. So, you know, uh, 
it's not necessarily the mentality, but more so I think that this pervasive uh, advancement in weaponry where we're using weapons of war or weapons of war are, are coming into our communities. And uh, I don't know any black or Latino-owned weapons manufacturer. They're, they're Smith & Western. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're these other titles, Glocks and whatnot. Uh, so these weapons are coming from somewhere, and, and it's not – um, necessarily from within those communities I, themselves. I agree. In fact, uh, I'd like to throw this out there before we uh, close down with this question. I want to ask Vaughn. Hey, if you hold the gun manufacturers liable for the carnage caused by their weaponry, maybe we would see an end to the proliferation of the weaponry. In other words, if you can file a lawsuit, like you, if you get cancer from smoking cigarettes, you can file a lawsuit against a cigarette company because they poisoned you. But for some reason, the the drug man, the the gun control, the excuse me, the gun manufacturers own Congress, so they got a law that prevents Frank Perez if he wants to from suing, God forbid, the manufacturer of the weapon. But worse than that for for years the cdc only mm -hmm. till recently couldn't even uh, study it. study the uh, statistics on violence in any of our cities in this country because of what you just talked yeah. about the the, the the gun manufacturers right. uh having these guys by the you know cojones yeah. so to speak and um nobody's moving on it and so forth you know? all right so vaughn let me i'm going to ask you this question and it uh, just popped it in my head uh, really curious what your thoughts are. You said you were uh, played football, so you're an athlete. Mm -hmm. you st do you still follow sports? I do. Okay. Um, the other day, uh, there was a fight between oh, Kansas and Kansas, Kansas State, State. Mm -hmm. and this is uh, a serious fight. I don't know, Frank, if, if you're a sports fan, if you followed it, but uh, it was at the end of a game, and uh, Kansas was blowing out Kansas State. This, 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 so much of what you guys are talking about is, is like in this fight. And so uh, this, this center for Kansas was bringing the ball up to court, and this little guard from Kansas State stole it from him. It was at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to play out a game, or if it's a blowout, do you just end the game, whatever. The little guard stole it, went in for the layup. The big guy uh, blocked the shot and then stood over and taunted him. Now, the game's over. Kansas had blown out Kansas State. It's like they should just be lining up and shaking hands. But instead, their egos got into it, Vaughn. You know, and the little guard started talking. The big guy started. Next thing you know, every player is like players are fighting. I'm not kidding. Yeah, it's totally, you know, it, it's, it stains the sport. Um, it's not good for anybody. It sends a, a bad example uh, to our young people. But it's, it's still correctable and something that can be a teaching moment at the end of the day. Unfortunately, your words, hypermasculinity is part of Americana, Sports, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Baseball, mm -hmm. apple pie, and violence yes. is part of the American uh, and, by, and by the way, I know you don't get any money from the National Hockey League, but if you do, <laughs> they should span fighting. I don't know if you guys follow hockey at all. That's the it, one sport when the two guys drop, they're like, everybody part surrounds them. Absolutely. No. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. If you and ever want to okay. see yeah, a good okay. boxing match, go to a hockey, hockey game. game man. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, the referees are holding everybody. Back. All right, let them fight it out. Until okay. they fall on the floor or on the ice. On the ice. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, it's always a blast. I don't know why I didn't have you come back soon. I'm sure we're going to be back again. You, you love us. Yeah, I love you too. Uh, any, I thought it was a couple months ago, not six months ago. I don't know. Maybe it was six months. I can't remember. Who can remember? Uh, all right, before I let you go, any uh, websites you want to give out, uh, any internet addresses, anything, any promotional stuff before I let you out the door? Uh, yeah, metro, metrofamily.org slash cp 4 is our is our website and then our handle is metro at metro family um, on all platforms.
Gotcha. All right. Very good. Vaughn Bryant, Frank Perez, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Another uh, bonus show on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take care, everybody.